hello, everybody, and welcome to the Basement Talk podcast. I am your host, Ed Birdsall. You're going to realize that I'm in the lead for this episode. I haven't done this in a while, but that's because we have the original gang back together. My co-hosts today, as they should be, Tim Brady and Brett Mayer. Tim, Brett, how are we? What's going on? It's, uh, it's good to be back. Uh, back at the Basement Talk podcast, although we're not in a basement, so it doesn't feel totally right yet. No, it does Once not. we get back down in that basement, we'll definitely uh, be back in full swing. But I definitely like the feeling of being back in the mic. Got the boys with me right now. Going to talk some sports, even though there's nothing going on except for contracts and such. Oh, like soccer. Soccer. I'm sorry. But, Come, uh, on, Come on. What just happened a couple I, weeks ago? Come Honestly, on. I'm so numb. I just don't even remember. It's it doesn't even feel real anymore. It must feel. It must be nice. Again, must, be, uh, must be really nice. How we doing, everybody? How we doing? It's good to be back. Any guesses on what number episode this is? I couldn't even tell you. I oh. couldn't tell you when we were doing them every every <laughs> couple days. So I definitely yeah. can't tell you now. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know. I'll have to take a look. I'm going to say this is episode thirty-two. I was, I was gonna, gonna say, say twenty four. <laughs> ah. I'm gonna find. No I'm gonna find out, and we'll 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 get an I'm answer. Gonna, from I'm gonna the... price is right. You and say thirty three. Ooh, yeah. ooh, okay. So if it's if it's anything over, then I lose. Yes. Unless it's thirty two, then then we're really we're hitting cash money. So gentlemen, welcome back, Tim. I really shouldn't say welcome back to Tim because he was on the Quizvitational. I was. Is, it was a great time. I had a great time on that. Even though I – who did I lose to? Jared or Greg? Matt. Oh, Matt. Matt, Matt. won this. Yeah, which he has decided now that he is going to do a open tournament to everybody else and that he wants to do three quiz invitationals without him on, and then the winners for all of those will get to face him, which is a nice plug for a little programming note. Um, if you haven't checked out the – Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show with me and Adam, Adam and I. Uh, definitely go check that out. And tomorrow, Wednesday, we will be recording another Quizvitational. So definitely stay tuned for that. So gentlemen, welcome back. And let's rekindle some old habits. One quick question is on the docket. And because we have given birth to another series under the Basement Talk podcast umbrella of sorts. We're going to do a little fantasy discussion, which I am sure you both are just totally against. You just don't want to talk about fantasy at all. I personally don't. I can't get my hopes up. (laughs) I I just – it's not happening. Like, realistically, there's not going to be football this fall, but – it'll be fun to talk about it, but – I'm on the complete opposite end of the spectrum over here. Some would say fantasy. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm itching. See, I'm, so, I'm somewhere in the middle. Tim is probably right, but I'm refusing to acknowledge it. I'm siding with Brett in saying that there is no such thing as talking too much fantasy. Do we want to talk about this too or no? Or do you want to get into this a little bit? Because I think it's going to – I think they're going to try and start the season. They're going to try and get it going. Oh, they're is definitely going to try, but oh, let's, let's go through our one quick question first because I'm curious what this is. But I, I, I want to talk about this a little bit more. Yeah. We could talk about it after the fact because, I mean, I'm sure this is going to be a lengthy discussion. And I will apologize in advance, and I will say that I did not have you two think about this, but I just came up with this about 10 minutes or so ago. So bear with me. 
one quick question for today is, who is your deepest fantasy football sleeper? Right off the bat, if we're going on, it's not so, you guys are going to yell at me for calling this a sleeper, and you probably know what I'm talking about already, but as far as an unproven guy who I think is going to be an absolute stud this year is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but mm. I don't think you can call him a sleeper because everyone's going to be way too high on him, and he probably won't perform at like a first-round level, but realistically, a rookie running back like that shouldn't be going till like the second or third round, and I think that that's probably a pretty fair value for what he's going to give you this season. I mean, it, he is a rookie that I think people will also have to understand. And he is, he is being drafted right now as a top 15 running back. And that, for me, is just way too rich for a guy that odds are – I look at him and I see Miles Sanders written all over him, a guy that is probably not going to get much run until the middle of the season, and you're going to have to be patient with him. And if you're really willing to do that with a second or a third-round pick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that offense is already too high profile to get any kind of value out of someone like him because, you know, in, in, on another team with a similar chance, he probably would still fly under the radar just because given what the Chiefs have done recently, there's no way their running back is going anywhere later than, you know, the second round, especially right. and, given the talent he showed in college. There's no way. Draft capital when he got drafted at too. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, first, first round pick. And you look at where his teammates are going, the high profile Chiefs. Mahomes, he's going in that round two, round three range. Travis Kelsey's going middle of the second round. Tyreek Hill is a borderline first-round pick. So if you're going with the hype, then Clyde Edwards-Alaire might be your guy if you really want to be invested in a Kansas City Chief. But I don't know. For, for me, it's, it's just too rich for a guy that I'm just so afraid is going to sit on my bench for half of the year. And in, at that round two, round three turn sort of area, when you're looking at guys potentially like Adam Thielen, Guys like Amari Cooper, guys like Allen Robinson, uh, guys like Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette. Those are all guys that can help me right away, and I know will be available week one. Whereas Clatterwood Zolaire, you don't really know, especially if there's no training camp too, given all the mess that's going on right now. These rookies are going to have an even harder time getting onto the field. So I, I just – I like the talent. I would invest in him. A year from now, I'm just not oh, willing yeah. to invest in him right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the the lack of training camp that's going to be taking place this year is a big hit on every single rookie that's coming into the league. Which no questions asked. Who is your deep sleeper, Brett? So I'm actually also going with a rookie running back. Oh, on the team of Washington, since they don't have a name at the moment, we don't know the Washington Football Team. Yes, the Washington Football Team. We don't know their name yet. I'm going with Antonio Gibson, the Memphis running back. Last receiver. He's coming in as a running back. He played both in college. When if you look at his college tape, he looks like a receiver. And he just he has all the natural ability. Seems like a, he looks like a receiver that turned to running back, honestly. Which I think is what they were doing in Memphis. I'm not too sure. But Ron Rivera has called him has comped him to uh, Christian McCaffrey, which is obviously a pretty big comp. And it's a very unrealistic comp for sure. But a very classic comparison. Yes. But I think in, as far as fantasy goes, if he's going to catch the ball with a backfield that involves an injury prone Darius Geis and a 30 
something year old Adrian Peterson, maybe 40 something year old Adrian Peterson, he will most likely have an opportunity and it could be the same thing as Clyde, where as the year goes on, he will get more of a chance. As far as, you know, in the beginning, it might be hard. To, you know, we don't know what's going to happen and he's a rookie, but he's somebody that I like a lot, especially for a PPR um, league. Cause I think he'll be used out of the backfield as well as I think North Turner's son, Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator there. And, you know, that's a running back factory as far as fantasy goes when the Turners are involved, just like the Shanahan's. So my question for you is, so you're not, you're not afraid of the whole Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis conglomerate that's going on in well, I think Washington. That's definitely a factor, which I think if, if that wasn't his situation, he would be going much higher than he is right now. I don't know where his ADP is right now. I don't know exactly where I know he's double going digit rounds. Time. Yeah. I was gonna, double digit I rounds. when the drafts come along, when, you know, real drafts start happening, in August, I think he's going to shoot up to like the ninth, eighth round where, Ooh. yeah, where I think I would take him there. I think I would take a chance on him in the ninth round. It's a gamble. Yeah, life's a gamble. Le'Veon Bell, life's a gamble. <laughs> True. What are, the, uh, what are the ADPs for uh, Josh, Josh, no, no, J.K. Dobbins and uh, what's the other guy's name? Went to Indianapolis. John Taylor. Uh, Taylor. Taylor. Where are they going? I know Dobbins is, I think, he's going like six through eight. Yeah. It really depends. And then Taylor's going like the fourth round. I think fourth, fifth round would be where he's at. Yeah, I saw I saw even that he's going late third, early fourth. Yeah, I could see Taylor going early like that because he's he's yeah. the starter essentially, right? Yeah, and he he's in Maybe. a great he's in a great spot. He, yeah. Taylor's, Taylor's one of those running backs that scares me because they already have Mack and Hines, and I believe they're both still going to be used, especially Hines on third down. Yeah. And, again, with no training camp, I don't know how Taylor's going to find a way to get involved early. Well, I think for Clyde it's a little different because, they, again, they did draft a – they used the first-round pick on him, and they don't like the running backs there in Kansas City, I don't think. No, no uh, shot. Fans, Damian, Damian Williams, Darrell Williams, if he's still even there. They brought in DeAndre Washington, I believe, but you know they're not they're not a big fan of their running backs. Where I think Indianapolis, they can still see some usage in Hines and Mack. Brett, I think you you make a good point when you talk about Naeem Hines. That Naeem Hines, I think, still has a role because he reminds me so much of what Austin Eckler turned out to be for the Chargers, and now Philip Rivers is there. He likes to dump it off to his running backs. And we've seen Naeem Hines be productive before. Now, with Phillip Rivers in town, I don't think Phillip Rivers is really going to be going all gun-ho in Frank Reich's offense. I think Frank Reich is going to try and incorporate more of Naeem Hines into the passing game, especially on third down. The thing, though, that separates Jonathan Taylor from Clyde Edwards-Alaire for me is the Chiefs have a guy that is proven in Damian Williams. He can get the job done. Whereas, this is just my own personal opinion, you both know how I feel at Marlon Mack. I think he's utter garbage. And he, he, he has been pro- he has proven time and time again that he's just he's unreliable. And Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor is eons better than Marlon Mack. And will Marlon Mack be the starter coming out week one? Probably. Probably. But I think, I think Jonathan Taylor takes the starting job away from Marlon Mack sooner 
then Claude Edwards-Alaire takes a starting job away from Damian Williams. So I think, I think that's if Clyde is not the starter to start off the season, which I think he will be. Like I think they're gonna give him as much work as they want to give him. Like they're not gonna try and have Damian start and then kind of have Clyde come in along the way. Where I think in Indianapolis they're gonna have, I think they're gonna try and use Mac more in the beginning, and Taylor's gonna have to kind of. Yeah, you it's know, a, fight his way into more carries. I, I agree. I can have an earlier opportunity, which makes he likes Clyde more, and along with the offense. Yeah. But if Taylor is capable of getting first and second down work, I think he's going to be really good because Rivers just loves throwing the ball to running backs. He doesn't even have to he be does. on the field on third down to get get receptions. Melvin Gordon, how many receptions was he getting in this season? Him and Eckler got – they must have gotten combined 100 receptions last year. Oh, at least. easy. Probably easy. 120. Yeah. So, I think if Taylor can just – be consistently on the field for those downs, he'll be okay. Yeah, I, I could definitely I agree that Clyde is definitely going to be used more for his talents as opposed to, like, like specific talents. He's not going to be a full-time running back, but, like, on, like, passing plays and stuff like that, they're definitely going to incorporate him much earlier on and not give him that full-time role, whereas I think Taylor's going to have to earn either a full-time role or essentially no role. Like, and it's, it's going to be one or the other. Like, he has to earn that way there or – not really get any touches at all. So I'm curious to see. I feel like Taylor's a safer option for fantasy. Probably. But Clyde just has such a higher ceiling, I feel like. See, I'm in the opposite boat. I feel like if you're talking about individually who I think the better player is, I think the better player is Jonathan Taylor. If you're looking at who is in the better position – Yes, you can make a case for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, absolutely, because of the offense that he's in, because of who is really going to be pounding the rock to him, Patrick Mahomes, who his offensive guru is, Eric Beniemi and Andy Reid. But Jonathan Taylor, for me, is in the better position where I can see him getting touches in maybe more so in a majority capacity than Clyde Edwards-Alaire I just I really see Clyde Edwards Hilaire first half of the year going on and off with Damian Williams. And especially if there is no training camp, if training camp doesn't happen, then it will make it will be even tougher for Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire to be on the field. So you guys you guys are both on board with thinking that football is gonna happen. I don't know what the hell to believe. I don't think NBA is even gonna happen at this point. I saw another another player um, who was it? Oh, Michael Beasley left the Nets today because he just doesn't feel like dealing with the bubble. Like, I mean, a lot of stuff, <laughs> to be fair, a lot of this nonsense that's been going on with it has been to do with the Nets. <laughs> and the Nets are probably one of the least important teams making the trip to Orlando. So mm-hmm. that's fine because their two biggest players aren't even going to be there. So who cares? But. I don't know if the NBA in a bubble is having its trouble that it's having right now. The NFL is going to have traveling teams, traveling staffs, going into all these hot spots. I'll, they're going to start fighting. I think the NFL didn't even hasn't even come close to denouncing fans at their games. Like that's not even they're not even pushing that away. They're like, we have a great idea. We're going to put a couple tarps in the front rows. Everyone will be fine. That's nuts. Like it's not happening. The most, I. It's just they could be talking about it, you know, without us knowing, obviously behind the scenes. But right now, we we haven't heard a thing about it, and it's no, no. 
makes me think like, are they even considering it? Or are they really planning on having full capacity or half capacity? Because that's just not going to slide. Like they're going to have to go no fans. I think there's no doubt in any yeah. of our minds that that's going to have to happen. Yeah, I, I would. Think- I would think if the NFL is going to happen, I would think that it's going to happen without fans. I just don't see how the NFL happens with. Yeah, and even, like, even I half capacity. Would, I don't see. I don't see how it happens. Like you would think they would announce, or just say something about it at least, right? You know, teams are just yeah. doing their own thing now. A bunch of teams have said, you know, we're not allowing fifty percent, you know, to fill up. I think the Ravens said that. The Jaguars said that. A couple of teams have said, you know, we're not allowing this many fans in the stadium. We're only going to allow this many. But just I'm wondering what you know, Roger Goodell and the, the league office is doing. Which I'm usually not one to shit on Roger Goodell, but this is just one of those times where if we're not going to have the season at all, like this is where, you know, you yeah, there's there's been out. definitely a clear lack of transparency from the NFL office for sure. Um, How just long to have you prepared for this, think about that. We've known about this since what March? Yeah, it's yeah, pretty I mean, poor. They, they were no- they were fully prepared to have a, the draft in person. Like that almost happened. We were a week away from that happening, and that now here we are. It's almost like they're ignoring everything that's coming at them. They're kind of just like doing their own thing, which they usually do. Like the NFL always kind of beats its own path, but uh, you're just gonna the public outcry if they do have these games. Let alone like you know the money loss and stuff like that. There are more people at this point who probably don't want them to play than there are that do. Like. I'm obviously your NFL fan base is always going to be rooting for that to happen. But as far as everyone else who doesn't care about sports, like people like us do, what, what is football playing? How, how is that benefiting their life? Like they're going to get a lot of crap for that. A lot of crap. Well, we're, we're going to see with major league baseball being the true Guinea pigs of having to go, having teams having to go from city to city, regardless of how close in relation they are. They're going to be the true guinea pigs of this, and we're going to see just how well it works or doesn't work. Of all sports. Of all sports, exactly. Baseball is the one that we're going to have to learn from. The the most <laughs> spineless commissioner in all of sports right now, and your players and your owners are at wits with each other, and you're the one that's going right now. That's going to go real well. Yeah. Okay, so do you want, do you want my deep sleeper? Oh, I don't yeah. know how I don't know how he went off the rails, but yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'm going to be a homer. Um, I thought about saying Michael Gallup, but I don't really think he's a deep sleeper, honestly. No, nothing. Um, so I'm going to go with the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, and that Ooh. is Blake Jarwin. Uh, I think that the Cowboys have shown many times that they have a ton of faith in what Blake Jarwin can do. He was supposedly signed by the Eagles off of the Cowboys practice squad. And the agent for Blake Jarwin went to Jerry Jones and said, the Eagles are about to sign him. Either you sign him to your 53 man roster or he's going to Philadelphia. And Jerry Jones decided to call him up. And that was that. And this past off season, they gave him a four year extension no Jason Witten anymore in Dallas. So that does open up a ton of opportunity for Blake Jarwin to finally become the tight end that Dallas has been looking for to really become the new Jason Witten for Dak Prescott. And we've seen some flashes of Blake Jarwin 
be capable of doing that. And he's in a great position to be able to produce. And he is very, very cheap right now. He's going double digit rounds in ADP. You look at the offense that he's in the offensive line still being one of the more dominant offensive lines in football. You have Ezekiel Elliott still there. You add CD lamb to the fold now with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. I think the writing's on the wall that Blake Jarwin can very, very easily be a six, seven touchdown, seven, 800 yard tight end and return some pretty decent value in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. If you have to take him that high, honestly, he could probably be there later than that. And you could still probably get him and still get a very nice return on Blake Jarwin. I will say that there are a ton of tight ends this year that are going late that me personally, I do like. That's a big change from last year. I can say how yeah. I feel like tight ends were so underproductive last year. I don't it was know a barren wasteland last year. Yeah, it, it really was. I was, yeah. I was starting um, the number two on the Rams. Why can't I remember his name? I, why can't I? I never can. Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby put up twenty points for me. I think three different times last season. Hey, he's good. He was good at the end of the year last year. It was crazy, but yeah, that's just there was no running backs to start. No. No, there were, there, were no, there were no deep tight ends that you could really rely on this year. It is completely different. It is a completely different landscape. So my big issue with Jarwin is the workload because of the amount of targets that will be given out in Dallas. I think there's way too many mouths to feed for him to be a consistent player for them because, like, he will be the – Probably the fifth passing option for Dak, if you want to count Zeke. Yeah. You can argue Zeke, but I think he will be the fifth guy for him because you're going to have to use Lamb. And then for Gallup, the talent speaks for itself. And for Cooper, you just paid him $100 million. So, yes. I do like Jarwin a lot. I think he's very good. But I'm just worried about the consistency in workload that he will be getting. And. I know you mentioned seven touchdowns. Can he get seven touchdowns? Yeah, I think he could definitely do that because he's going to be you know, a good red zone threat for them. But yards and receptions, specifically receptions, I don't know how many he's going to be able to, to get. Like, are we talking over 45, 50? Like, I don't even know if he's going to eclipse 50. Yeah, I, I would say my guess as I was in the range of maybe 55 receptions. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Where you talked about the other tight ends that are going with him in that range, where I just like other guys more than him in that spot. Like Mike Gesicki, I think he's – is he going around Jarwin or no? Is he going earlier? Let me pull, let me pull that up really quick. A guy like Mike Gesicki I like a little more than Jarwin just because he, he just has less around him and they will be in games where they're going to have to score, I'd imagine. Patrick, and he was good at the end of the season. Where Jarwin, we've seen a couple, you know, good games here or there, but we haven't seen anything consistent. Where Gesicki, you can't really say the same thing, really, except for, you know, the end of the year, he had a couple good games strung together. So someone like Gesicki, I would rather over Jarwin. Um, I personally like Johnny Smith for the talent. I don't know how you feel about him. But, again, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, you know, who's next? He, I think he would be next. I know you like Corey Davis, but him and Corey Davis would be fighting for that third option. Where Jarwin, again, he's fighting for the fourth, I think, option on the team, which is just a little too low for me. 
So I'll, I'll give you some names really quick that are around Jarwin. I'm just going to go off of uh, the fantasy pros. Sure. Uh, you want me to right respond now, right with now. if I would take Jarwin over this guy, or you just yeah. want to spam? Yeah, so I'll give I'll give you uh, Jarwin or this guy, and we can uh, sure. we can rattle them off. So uh, Blake Jarwin or Jack Doyle? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, tough one right off the rip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rivers likes his tight ends. I'd rather have Jack Doyle. I th- yeah, I'm gonna go with jo- Doyle because I think the receptions will be will be there with Rivers. Okay. Would you rather have Blake Jarwin or Dallas Goddard? I think for the sake of him being the second tight end on the team, I wouldn't. I don't really like that. Ah, uh, ooh, neither. But uh, I'd rather have Jarwin. I think uh, that's tough. I'm gonna say Jarwin, but I'm only considering Goddard because if Ertz does get hurt, like Goddard's stepping up into a very big role. But I'm going to go with Jarwin because you can't predict an injury. Blake Jarwin or Eric Ebron? Uh, Jarwin. I agree. I'm a big fan of Ebron in Pittsburgh. I agree. Jarwin as well. Okay, so we would – Ebron, huge fan of Ebron in Pittsburgh. Have you seen this guy on social media? (laughs) It's crazy. I've never seen a player love his city more, and he's been there not even for a season yet. Really? He goes hard all day long on social media. It's crazy. I have not taken a look at that yet. Brian he, loves it. Brian's always talking about how he's like, he'll like at Mike Tomlin and be like, head honcho, pleasure to see you today or something like that. Like, it's so funny. Oh, oh my God. have a good time, man. Oh, they'll have a great time, yeah. Well, his touchdown celebration is going to be fun to watch this year. Between Probably, definitely. Yeah, I, I would believe it. So, gentlemen, that was a very productive segment. So, let's shift gears. Let's talk from football. Let's talk about some football. And let's talk about the Manchester City Champions League ban that has been lifted. They were accused slash charged with several financial fair play violations from UEFA, the head governing body of European football. And they had their ban overturned by the Independent Court of Appeals. And the reaction has been, as you would expect, very, very, very against the Independent Court of Appeals overturning the ban for Man City. You've had coaches such as your coach, Jurgen Klopp, coming out and saying that it's a sad day for football. That's a direct quote. And then you had more on the extreme side, Jose Mourinho the head coach for Spurs coming out and saying that if Man City were guilty, they shouldn't have been fined. If they were guilty, they should have continued to be banned. And and it's just a mess. So obviously it does not affect you. Both of you, your club is going to be in the Champions League. But where do you stand? Well, I can already tell you this. The people who are most upset about this are those floating right around six, seven, eight, even nine, maybe some would say, in the standings right now because that slim chance you guys just had of everyone moving down a spot, especially if Man City wins the FA Cup and then you get another chance of getting into the uh, Europa League next year. I bet those fans will be pretty mad right now that Man City's ban wasn't upheld. I mean, I think as a whole – 
it should have been just for like the nature of financial fair play, even though that was, was that an English specific rule or is this a, is that a UEFA rule? UEFA. So then how does that work with Germany? Cause the whole thing with, uh, what is it? R- um, RB Leverkusen, right? RB Leipzig. Leipzig, Leipzig. Sorry. Um, is that the, everyone hates them cause they don't condone with the final fa- uh, financial fair play rules. Like they're all their money is just directly from, that comp, uh, Red Bull. Yes, but they so, also they also sell a lot too. Like they right. they they just said you gave them eighty million for Nabi Keita, who now sits on your bench and collects dust. Yeah, we did we did do that. Um, One hit on Nabi. Nah, he's a great player. You know, he just hasn't found the right time yet. All right, when he's ready, we're ready for him. All right. Oh, okay. But, just like just like <laughs> Adam Alana too, right? Uh, that's different. All right, he's stay healthy. Lalana's all there for morale. All right, he's he's the what's what's the classic saying? He's the first one in the weight room, the last one out. Yeah, that's yeah. that's Lalana for you right there. He's Jordan Henderson White, a true coach's player, player, player. I don't know, something like that. But uh, I mean, you also paid you also paid us thirty five million for Alex Oxlade Chamberlain so to come in and be a bench warmer. But that's besides the point. Now we do have our resident uh, seventh to ninth maybe 10th place in the standings uh, fan here to tell us why financial fair play is all a sham and his team should be in the Europa League next year. Ed, take it away. No, I, I, I support the ruling. You I think, think that they should have been let go. Yeah, because financial fair play is a crock of shit. But PSG, finan- PSG go about breaking this rule left, right, and center. The Kylian Mbappe loan, loan, that they can go and say, okay, Kylian Mbappe, Monaco's going to pay for their wages for a year, so we can go and sign Neymar, and then the following summer, when FFP is not looking at us, we'll just sign Mbappe for 200 and something million. Come on. Come on. FFP FFP is a joke. So why is it always the English clubs getting tangled up in it? Because there's always an eye in English clubs. That's crap, man. You know... There's no way that Barcelona and Real Madrid make it through all this, all these signings. You got billion dollar clauses on all their players and stuff, and they don't have any financial fair play. I think that could have to do with the draw that they get. I think, um, I mean, this could be completely wrong, but I think if you did lose an English team in the Champions League, it's not the end of the world. Like, we could just get, again, fifth place, let's say Arsenal, Tottenham, finish fifth. You just have them in the Champions League. Okay, that's fine. You're still going to get a draw without City. I think without Barcelona and Real Madrid, a little bit of a problem. Yeah. I think it's a fair point. That could be completely wrong, but I don't know. It sounds pretty good. No, I I don't think that's wrong at all. I think think that's a very, very fair point. I think, like, it's just – it's basically just a slap in the wrist, but you're you're not actually slapping somebody in the wrist with these bands. Same thing with Chelsea. How they had that two-year ban, reduce it right. to one. City, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm just not surprised. But There's- that's but that's the thing, though. It's like with the Chelsea ban, they were able to reload. And now here they are. They're spending all the money that they made in a calendar year. They're going out, and now they're signing Timo Werner. They're signing Hakim Ziyech. They're in the running for Kai Havertz. They're in the running for Ben Chilwell. They signed those two players along with Werner Ziyech, who they've already signed. That's a club that's competing for the title next year. Yeah, you know, I also feel like, I, first of all, I, I think if financial fair play is a thing, if we're going to make it a thing, 
let's we might as well enforce it. Yeah. But I do agree that the ruling was probably right to have it reversed just because of the way there is an extra eye on the English clubs and stuff like that. Like it's it's ridiculous because you have your Juventus, your Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig. I keep calling them Leipzig. No, it is Leipzig. Yeah, it and is always Leipzig. always at Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG. They all go by their own rules. But then you have in England, it's like, God forbid, you know, you do something a little bit out of the norm. You're getting a knock on your front door from the IRS of soccer saying, why did you do that? And it's like, yeah. it's kind of garbage. I think these are just used as warnings, if anything. Yeah. It's like, hey, like, relax on the money. You know, like, relax on the spending for a second. They're not actually going to, you know, there's not actually going to be repercussions about it. it. They might come out and say, like, oh, they're suspended for the Champions League next season. It's like, yeah, we all know it's not going to actually happen. So I think it's just, it's more of just a, uh, it's like a, hey, you over there, stop, stop doing, you know, the wrong shit for just a second, at least. It's also funny when you bring in the foreign money aspect of it and you have these, these big people outside of the countries where these teams are ever going to play. And you piss them off and don't let them throw their money at the soccer team. Guess what's going to happen when you start letting them throw their money at the soccer team again? It's going to be a massive fu, and they're going to spend twice as much as you weren't letting them in the first place. And that's what you have with with Chelsea right now. Chelsea will Chelsea would pay you fifty dollars for that soccer ball in the backyard you have if you told them they could help them score more goals. Like they will spend money on anything right now. Like, they, they don't care. They have zero regulations, zero restrictions. So, that's because you pissed them off. You didn't let them go for the summer. And now, look what you did. Like, you woke the beast. If you do it at Man City, I guarantee you get the same reaction. Well, the cheapest also- player is, like, 30 mil right now. That could easily be up to 50 mil if you piss them off like this. Like, it, all, it also comes down to how clubs manage transfers, too. Like, with Chelsea, for example, Chelsea will be able to say, okay, we have Jorginho, who probably is going to be moved on because he does not fit Frank Lampard's philosophy. They could say, all right, $35, 40000000 million. And they'll get $35, 40000000 million for yep. Jorginho. And, and that's that. Another thing with this is what does, what does $10 million mean to Man City, the fine that they got? Exactly. What does that mean to yeah. them? That means nothing. They, they probably paid that off today. Well, that's why you had to bring in the Champions League ban for something like this because, I mean, if you make it all monetary, you realize that you're just saying, hey, your punishment for having too much money to spend and spending it illegally is a fine much smaller than you've ever been willing to – like, like it, that doesn't make any sense. There's, there's no repercussions there. Like, you have to actually punish these teams eventually, which is why I would support if we're going to start making this a thing start banning Champions League appearances. Like, make it happen. Yep. Maybe City didn't deserve it, but if we want to enforce it, the money and the fines are never going to help enforce it. Hey, Arsene Wenger said it best in 2015 when he said financial fair play is dead. He was five years ahead of his time. And now, oh. here, and now here we are. It is officially dead and buried. Done. How long has it been the law of the land? Seven years. Would you guys rather them enforce the rule and actually like you know suspend teams and ban teams or would you rather them just completely turn their heads on it and just let teams do whatever they want because i think i would rather just have teams do whatever the hell they want to do i i would like that spend your money all right like obviously the thing is with that is is you you know you let everyone spend all their money yeah like the teams like the top teams in england and stuff are all going to get much better 
compared yeah. to the rest of the teams in their league. But you're still – you'll never be able to compete with these teams like the single Juventus or like the PSG or like the Bayern and all them. They'll, they'll topple the English teams just because of all the singular support they have. True. So I don't think it would be the best thing in the world. But right now as it is, if you're going to have it enforced where teams like us who are like the goody two-shoes and like we follow the rules actually with stuff like that, like we're – Liverpool will just not overspend – so we're always – we're going to get cucked. Like, eventually, like, these teams who don't really follow the rules because they don't get enforced are going to pass us. And it's like, either enforce it or don't, like, at this point. See, I think it's the complete opposite. I think it's a matter of if you let financial fair play loose and there are no restrictions, I think you look at the amount of money that English teams make, the top dogs like Liverpool, like Man United, like Man City, like Chelsea, like Arsenal – with the TV deal that they have, yes, yeah, where they're getting hundreds and millions every single season, they can take that and they can reinvest it back into the transfer market. And it's more so for the big money clubs like Manchester City and Chelsea, where they can go and they can take that money from what they're winning from getting into the top four, what they're winning for getting maybe a trophy. Maybe you win the League Cup or maybe you win the FA Cup. So you get money from that. You're qualifying for Europe, so you're getting the European money. You're also getting the TV deal. You're talking hundreds and millions that these clubs can then go and just say, there you go. What is a club like Sheffield? What is a club like Leicester? What is a club like Wolves going to do against a powerhouse like Man City where they're getting – Seven, eight hundred million that they can go and reinvest five hundred million of that into buying new players. Whereas those other clubs are taking that money and they're going to try and maybe improve from within. They're just not going to be able to compete. Yeah, I, you know, it's hard because you talk about, like, I have this notion in my head that the English teams are like less well off and then the, the top teams in other countries but really is what happening is is they're just actually following the rules so like they're already like nagging themselves because you have like you know i guess is it fair to say that like psg and juventus just don't really play by the same rules like in the transfer market and stuff like that well you juventus are just they're smart juventus they make most of their signings on free transfers that's what they do. Okay. Aaron Ramsey, Adrian Rabio, Douglas Costa, they signed for maybe $30 million. Ronaldo, Ronaldo was – that's a blemish for them. They spent big money on Ronaldo because they just don't spend money elsewhere. They're either signing from the lower Italian clubs, they're all these young players, or they're signing players on free transfers that they're bringing in for a season – and they're selling. They did it with Emre John. Emre John was sold from Liverpool to Juventus, and then he signed for Dortmund. They got money from that. Aaron Ramsey went from Arsenal to Juventus. Now he could be coming back to England. They can get $25, 30000000 million for him. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to what the club is doing to improve their overall team. And Juventus, Juventus could have two squads in and of itself that can take on the best teams in Europe and they can get results. That's just how deep of a squad that Juventus have. That just comes from the club being ran so, so well. Financial fair play is specifically to do with transfers. 
Like it has nothing to do with your individual free trans- players. Free transfers, you're good. What about player salaries though? That has nothing to do with it. Nope. Then what the hell is the point of it? It's to re- it's to regulate transfers. That you're not spending you're not spending more money than you're t- than you're getting it. So it's like if you if you buy one for a hundred, you better sell one for fifty. Sort of deal. It's a joke. It's a That's joke. It's a joke. Yeah. And it's dead. It's dead and buried. So you you boys want to talk about the uh, the match tomorrow? Honestly, doesn't matter. <laughs> like it doesn't matter anymore. To us, it doesn't really matter. We're not. It doesn't gonna, matter to us either. I think we already have the single season wins record. If not, we're like two off. I'm a little disappointed in what our point total could be at the end of the season. Disappointed? Yeah. We're still gonna break a hundred, I think. Right? Maybe. You have to, you have to win all three. We have to win all three, and we're gonna get like one hundred two or something. Yeah, yeah, you're you're at ninety you're at ninety three right now. They definitely caught that uh championship hangover. Thankfully it's in the same season, so Yeah, which is you know like kind yeah. of, I honestly Especially. now that I'm thinking about it, I kinda like it actually. Just get that championship lull out right now. Realize that you look like a bunch of assholes when you don't play that hard after you won already. And then next season, ready to go. Yeah, I think on top of the whole Corona thing, it affected, you know, the season for us as far as trying. We have not trying, but, you know, having the same mood after you win it. Who was that 3-0 loss to that we just had? I know we just tied Burnley. City. Yeah, Man City. Yeah, that was the game after. That was one. Okay, 4-0 loss, yeah. Yeah, we've tied. We drew one, won one, and lost one since, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I well, was I watching think, a little bit of the Burnley game, and we looked—you know—we looked all right. We looked no, we're, we're we're two wins in a tie. We didn't lose, but still, it's like, oh, and we tied against Everton too, right before we could have won it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not perfect right now, but I don't. know. How do you feel about your current situation over there, Ed? Because this is a two-way match, you know, such as us. Well, I think it just makes the Invincibles all the more impressive, considering that they. I'm not, the- we're not talking about that. I said no, 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 no. I'm I'm going back to the point that you made, talking about how you have a champion, heavy championship hangover. Arsenal had their championship hangover. They won the league at White Hart Lane. Let's not let's not forget that Arsenal they won the league at White Hart Lane against Spurs. They celebrated the two. They with, celebrated two two draw. Let's not how, forget that. With how many games left? Four. We had Four eight, left. I think. Four left. I think we had seven or eight. Again, well, that's they have, but they didn't have the championship hangover because they were still. For the competing end. for it at the end, which we already we, we no, were, and also they were still trying to go for that invincible season. Ever since we lost to Watford, it was kind of like it was well, yeah, it was, it was a stroll. We know we're going to win the league, but we already lost the game, so it's like you know hey, what are you, we fighting for now? We're fighting for points, and then the you know the virus happens, and I think at this point coming back, it was kind of like let's just let's just win it. Like that's all they really I. This is what I think. I think, just think that's all they really care about right now. I think they just wanted to win it, get it over with, and, you know, yeah. go back home until this virus is all yeah. done with. It was a formality, though, that you guys were going to win the league in yeah. December. So it really just was a matter of the only thing that they had to really play for was trying to make a run at the Invincible season. That yep. was the only thing that they really had. But then when Watford happened, then the virus happened, you know, that kind of – you know, took the wheel, took the wheels on from underneath the bus, as as they say, and then they came back. They've been 
they've been okay. They haven't been great, but what are they playing for? Exactly. I think whereas with Arsenal, where I'm at is I fully expect us to get just stomped on. Like I, I don't think that this is going to be remotely close. I think you look at the result from over the weekend. That is just that's that's defending that you pull at League Three, League Two, let alone in the Premier League in the North London Derby. Um, and if Sayed Glasnach and David Luiz can't string together a five-yard pass, then God, I, you know, it's. It's embarrassing to a point. And Mikel Arteta just has – he's got a whole lot of work to do with, with this team. And I'm almost at a point where, yeah, playing Europa League, it would, be, it would be nice. But this team has needed a rebuild for so long that at this point, I'm, I'm okay with not getting Europe. I'm, I'm completely good with it just because I feel like we need to focus on the Premier League. We need to let the young, the young kids play. If you could re-sign Aubameyang, that's wonderful. If you can attract some top-class players like Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid or Deo Upamecano from RB Leipzig, wonderful. That is excellent news. And if you could sell Lacazette, if you can sell Genduzi, who clearly is not in the picture at all if you could sell Ozil and maybe you get something for him with one year to go on his contract that's wonderful fantastic which is probably not going to happen no if you can get a top fee for Ainsley Maitland-Niles who said today that you know he feels his future lies elsewhere fine that's completely fine if you were selling for 20 25 million great you know it, it it what it really comes down to is that Arsenal there needs to be a complete rebuild that has to happen. Mikel Arteta needs some sort of money, and, it, and the only place that he's getting it is from up top. It's coming from the Cronkies, and the Cronkies have to show that they are going to back Mikel Arteta. And it's a good, it's a good start that they've already come in and they've already said the Emirates is paid off. It's done. We took care of it. Here's the take the fifty million that you were going to use to pay some of the money for the stadium, pocket it reinvest it into the team and they are looking to get a two to three hundred million pound loan that Arsenal can use to continue to reinvest in their into the team. So it's good to see that the Cronkies are trying to be invested into the club. But at the end of the day, it really just comes down to what can Mikel Arteta do with very limited resources in a very what is going to be a very weird market. No doubt about it. What can he do to improve this side and make it better from what it is now to what it could be two, three years down the line. I think that we are not even talking about top four for another three years at the least, because that's how big, that's how big of a rebuild this is going to have to be. And I I look at, well, I look at what Liverpool had to go through. Liverpool Mm -hmm. went through the same exact thing. Liverpool in the early in the late 2000s, in the early 2010s, they went through the same exact thing. They went three years without the Champions League. And then Brendan Rodgers came in, and then you had the whole Suarez revolution and Sterling and Daniel Sturridge. That is what Arsenal need. They need to let the youngsters come up, 
do their thing. It's great that we have Bukayo Saka locked down for another four years. Gabriel Martinelli locked down. Those are two unbelievable players that should be the future of Arsenal Football Club. Oh, you're that fool who had the red card, whoever that is. He's real useful. Eddie? Um, what was his last name? Eddie Nketiah. Yeah. He, remind, he, remind, he reminds me a lot of Ian Wright. A lot. And if, 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 Eddie, if Eddie Nketiah could be Ian Wright, we got a good one. And we, we have a good one. But he's young. He's, he's going to learn. And um, I think as for the, as for the match tomorrow, um, I think you guys are going to stomp all over us. And if it's, if it's anything like 2-1 or 2-0, anything like that, I, it would be a minor miracle. It really would. I know I don't need to ask, but uh, let me get some score updates for that one. I'll be in the golf course. Done. I could. I could do that. Yeah. I could. I could most certainly do that. I. What time is that game tomorrow? Three fifteen. Three fifteen. On on Peacock. On Peacock. It's not. Oh. It's not. A, it's not on NBC Sports. Yeah. Wait. What is this Peacock thing? I've it's the this. new. It's the new NBC Universal streaming service that they are testing out. Of course, when Arsenal are on, because NBC Sports does not want to talk about Arsenal. So Peacock is what? Is it still NBC presenting? Mm-hmm. Like it's M- yeah, it's NBC Universal. So it's NBC, it's, NBC, NBC Sports. It's still free though, right? Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Peacock. I've been seeing that a lot. Well, now you know what it is. Now you most certainly know what it is. Um, I'm gonna say for the match tomorrow, just a, a little score prediction. We can go around and then we can move on to talking about the uh, NBA. Uh, I'm going to say 3-1. Liverpool. 3-1 us. I'm going to say 2-1 us. That would be a miracle. I would take that result in a heartbeat. I was going to say 3-1, but I'm not going to repeat it. You had. I'm going to go uh, 3-0. Allison wants those clean, uh, clean sheets. Hmm. Okay. All right. I want two goals from Salah and zero from Obama and Yang tomorrow, though. We want that solid golden boot. He's got to get like two a game, and we need Jamie Vardy to uh, lose his right foot, and I think we'll be good. I want Nicola Pepe to dribble around Virgil van Dyke and score Rabona. That guy's oh, a well. pussy. I hate him. I, you, you would hear me screaming from the 15th tee box, just saying. Oh, I probably would, and I'd hate every second of it. Oh, I, I, would, I wouldn't even care if we, if we lose 6-1. And Nicola Pepe scores the goal as a Rabona, that would feel like a win. It would feel like a win. I, I, I'm not surprised you think it would feel like a win. I don't it even would. know if you know what a win feels like anymore. You're a shit ass team. There's no nope. way to. If we beat you by more than three goals and you're texting me because Pepe did something minorly spectacular, think about what you're doing. You mean majorly spectacular because he is the world's greatest footballer, yes. Oh my god! I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm I can't sure believe that, the ridiculous things you have to say about Nicholas Pepe and uh, Corey Davis. Like, I'm sure these that, are the people you choose to admire. Hey, I am sure that Lionel Messi has a picture of Nicola Pepe in his bedroom, just like Jerry Rice has a picture of Corey Davis in his bedroom. It's the same thing. So, what's our next topic? Because I can't talk about Nicholas Pepe anymore. Nicola Pepe. Okay, we're going to talk about the bubble. And all the shit that's going on in the bubble. I don't know if you saw uh, Jay Williams last night on his Instagram, his Twitter, whatever it was, uh, gave a very passionate um, tongue lashing, I guess is the word that I'm looking for, to all the players that are out on Twitter and Instagram talking about, you know, how shitty the bubble is and 
how horrible the conditions are and the food and things like that. And Jay Williams basically went out and said, um, you're getting paid millions of dollars to essentially shoot a ball into a hoop. You have the opportunity to go and play your sport to get paid while there are millions of Americans that are not getting paid, that are struggling to find work, that are struggling to put food on the table, and you are going from your multi-million dollar house in, in LA or your high-rise apartment in New York City, you are now going to Disney World in Orlando, a multi-billion dollar facility, to be there for a month, month and a half, no, more longer and play than basketball. That. Three well, months. However long it is. However long it is. A month, month and a half, two months, depending on how long your team is there for. And Jay Williams hit he hit the nail on the head. He's I could say uh, a lot of things about ESPN. He keeps it real. I don't think he hit the nail on the head at all. I think that guilt tripping these players like that. Like, all right, fine. Yes, you have an opportunity to make money right now when a lot of people are losing jobs and stuff like that. But you also – Correct. But then you also have the side of it where this is still a person we're talking about, athlete or not, and if they don't feel like it's safe to be doing something like that right now, especially when a lot of the money that they're making is still nothing to compare to the people, the people above them are making who have zero risk involved in their jobs. So I'm going to keep putting this out there. I would love for sports to come back. Like, I really hope they do. But if it's the player's choice and this bubble situation, like, fine, they get paid millions of dollars. But the whole food aspect of it's pretty important. Like, they get paid millions of dollars, and a lot of them put a lot of that money into getting nutritionists, getting people to put the right things in their body at all times of the day, eating on a certain schedule. And now you have them giving these prepackaged foods that are just generalized for the entire league. It's not going to – that's not what they're – get they're paid to do that's not part of their job description their their job is to play under a certain set of circumstances not just to be locked in a camp for three straight months to play basketball i don't think it's going to follow through i don't think it makes any sense i'm more on ed's side with it as far as that because i think they don't have to go if they don't want to it's their choice and i think at least me personally i'm not gonna shit on a guy for not going if you don't want to go for the circumstances don't go but I think if you're going to go, I guess, try and – I guess I don't want to, for lack of a better like term, try and be more positive about it. At least don't complain about the food that you're getting when it was your choice to attend. Obviously, they wouldn't – obviously, nobody actually wants to be there. The thing is, though, it's, it's that Jay Williams is saying this when Jay Williams is one of these people who in the past was paid millions of dollars to okay. dribble a basketball and shoot a basketball. And now he's saying this from the comfort of his million-dollar home he can afford because of the same league. And now he's watching that league like treat its players much differently than it ever okay. treated him. Yeah, I, I mean, so, I didn't look at it like that from coming from who was saying it. I was kind of just looking at the statement and the, the opinion in general, which I agreed on coming from somebody who's not in his situation. Like, yeah, so, it's just, you know, you are so – I get what you're saying. By like, yeah. You're saying, like, who are you to talk, Jay Williams, when you're – Exactly. You've been in the league and you have all these millions of dollars and you're, you're able of working, you're capable of working at home throughout this whole thing and still, you know, doing what you have to do. 
as much as the NBA likes to play itself off, it is a very pro player league. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's probably the most out of all of them. Like, they're kind of sweeping this under the rug as of being, like, a pretty substantial thing that I don't think there was much player involvement in the decision to go to Orlando. Like, the NBA kind of was like, we're already pretty much through a season. I know the players wanted to finish, but on the exact terms that they have right here where it's you're going to play in a bubble in Orlando, all your meals are going to be provided by us, you're not going to have your own nutritionist there, you can't leave, you can't order food from outside, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, the players never really got a chance to even, like, contribute to that conversation, it seems like. I think they did. They had a bunch of Zoom meetings and calls with apparently loads of players a couple times before this all started. I think being involved in the conversation is one thing, but, you know, you don't leave all the details on the table. Like they said, food will be provided maybe, but they didn't say the food provided would be the things we've been seeing on Twitter and, you know, mm-hmm. having workers that come in and out of the bubble when they're not being tested, but you can't leave the bubble and be with your family. It's like, yeah, now I think that's, that's a problem. Ridiculous. Where if you're going to allow other people to leave, like it needs to be a situation where nobody's leaving. Now, I don't know if they have the room to do that as far as everybody else that's working, you know, inside the bubble. That's probably just – they're probably not even capable of doing so. That's probably the big issue. But I agree with you on that, where if, if, if somebody's got to do it, everybody's got to do it. Now, what's the official start date for this NBA tournament? 27th, I think. I'm not 27th, sure. 27th, yeah. 27th, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very excited for it. And it's not going to be the same because you already have a lot of people opting out. Um, I'm curious to see if the players – I'm not going to say they're going to look slower because they're not getting their usual meals, but you know what I mean, where they just – It's going to be different. It's going to be a different pace, I feel like. Where I don't even know who this even favors, you know? Like, I don't know who it, has the advantage. It's a shake-up. I mean, it doesn't automatically mean the teams at the top are going to be the, you know, the best teams when you're talking about a lot of high-maintenance players. Think about an L.A. Laker locker room, LeBron and A.D. and all these other characters they have in the team not benefiting from having that lavish L.A. lifestyle versus a team like, you know, the Bucks living in Milwaukee. Like, it's not the same level of luxury there that you're going to be taken away from you. Could benefit them, could not benefit them. You know, who knows? I'm just thinking I about mean, Westbrook now. Is Westbrook – he's not going to be there for the start now. No. No. He's going to miss the first couple days. Yeah, he's, no. got, he's got a minimum – he's a minimum two weeks. 14 days, yeah. Yeah. Is it – I thought they were doing eight days. Or is that if you leave the bubble? If you that leave the bubble. That was for that guy, Holmes, who left uh, – I forget his first name. Holmes yeah. From the left, Kings. Yeah, the, from the Kings, Kings Center. He left yeah. the bubble to pick up some Postmates or something. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> NBA Twitter has been on fire lately. Yeah. All this content coming out. You got the well, women I mean, do you saying, blame him? The women who say that I've already been invited to the bubble, and then you got Spider Deeg being called out saying like, "Oh, like who was it that said that?" Mo uh, Bamba. Oh, Mo Bamba was yeah. like uh, Mitchell. Uh, what's his name? Sorry, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell is wilding yeah. over here talking about he's bringing all these girls in. It's like, oh my god! Like you got neighbors being dropped already. It's not gonna. Not gonna work out well. Hey, you know what? 25 25 years from now, when they come out with the bubble documentary and all the shit that went on, I'm gonna be all for it. The end. (laughs) The the bubble thirty for thirty. 
Oh, just call it the There's bubble. There's got to be. There's it's going to be, be perfect. It's I, like it, it won't be 25 it. years. It's going to be like five. <laughs> There's no way they're holding that off. Fine. I'll take it because the stories that are probably going to come out of it are just going to be woof. Well, we already have a Kobe one coming in the future, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know, I don't know how well that's going to that's gonna be received. but uh, Well, it depends on how early they do it. Right now, it's money And how well grab. done it is. Yeah. It's a money grab the sooner it happens after. But Yeah. That's, it's going to be perceived as a money grab one way or another. But, you know, it really just comes down to, you know, what do they talk about? How sensitive are they versus how not sensitive they are? And either way, it's going to be perceived as, as one big money grab. But, yeah, the, the, the bubble just seems to be creating more problems than solutions. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I just feel like, and, but that's basically what I come down to is I think these players, you're there. I understand you want to play. I get that. But if you're not good with the living conditions and you're not good with where you are in this multi-billion dollar facility, then pack up and go home. Simple as that. I, no, I agree. You definitely have a lot of freedom as a player right now. Yeah, the only issue yes. with that is as a player, if you do pack up and go home, you know there's going to be those people out there that are like, I can't believe you're not going to play for the team. There's going to be those intense people out there. But So I think as fans need to, you know, realize they just need to respect players as human beings. Oh, yeah. In that case, which most people will not do. Well, I know for the NHL, they had a three-day – period where players could have opted out if they had wanted to and there were only I believe eight players that had opted out include and including one assistant coach that opted out and I believe four or five of them either they themselves or members of their immediate family had uh, pre-existing health conditions which was the reason why that they had opted out and they had just said that they are not going to participate in the NHL restart and you look at Major League Baseball too and the amount of players that it seems like every other day we're having at least one or two that are deciding not to show up and play uh, their games, which MLB is slated to uh, throw their first pitch a uh, week from Thursday. So we yeah. will uh, we will have to wait and see and see uh, and see what happens with all of these sports that are uh, going to be uh, coming back. And of course, we will provide you with all of the best content for all of that. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you very very much for coming on it was a pleasure to have the gang back together again more uh programming uh notes but uh, please definitely do check out the basement talk podcast fantasy show we just released the first episode of that this morning so it should be in your inbox as you were listening to this and of course stay tuned for the basement talk podcast quiz rotational which will be coming out should be by the time it's being done edited if you're going to hear this probably wednesday morning you will probably hear the quiz rotational on Friday. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. For Tim, for Brett, I'm Ed. Thank you so much for listening to the Basement Talk podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>